So Edmonton fired Jay Woodcroft after a win. What's next for the Oilers as they try to get back on track? Plus, who else may be on the hot seat for NHL coaches so far this season? And Connor Bedard taking flight and starting to stack multi-goal games together. We'll talk about his impressive run all on today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. We are your team every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Western Conference Tuesday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. We are your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making the Lockdown NHL podcast your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes for our wide range of hosts all throughout the week. Today's episode of Lockdown NHL is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked On NHL, we discuss changes for the Edmonton Oilers. Jay Woodcroft is out. What does it mean for Ken Holland as the season rolls on? We'll also talk about other potential coaches that could be on the hot seat as the season unfolds. And Connor Bedard starting to uh, more lighted up than he already was. And so we'll uh, talk about where he's at, some of the other players that could potentially factor in the Calder Trophy race as well. My name is Seth Topol, your uh, host of the Western Conference Tuesday edition, one of the hosts of the Western Conference Tuesday edition and host of Locked on Wild, joined by Nick Morgan of Locked on Predators here uh, for today's episode. And Nick, right off the bat, it happened. But it happened after a win? We called it. We were like, yep, he's the first guy. Uh, wasn't anticipating it happened after the win. It's it, This is uh, Jimbo Fisher energy. Ooh. Yeah, you get did the big 51-point win and then get, wake up the next morning. And it's like, hey, good job. Uh, also, pack your office. You're out of here. Well, and it's funny because it feels like the only logical spot for this to happen to have the biggest impact is after the Sharks game, the game in which the entire hockey world was watching with rooted interest to see if it could actually happen. And turns out it did. But here are some things that I find fascinating about the aftermath of this. Did you see the press conference with Ken Holland's uh, in which they were talking about the decision and how the players may or may not have actually been asked about what was going on and uh, asked their opinion about how things were going on. And now I look uh, yesterday and see that Connor McDavid is actually not happy at all. Like, I'm furious to the point that he may decide that he doesn't want to stick around for whatever the end of the rest of this looks like. And so... Edmonton thought, hey, we're going to turn this around. We're going to get a new voice in here and we're going to uh, we're going to get this back on track. This may just be the tip of the iceberg for them 
which is funny because the guy taking, uh, you know, Jay Woodcroft's place is the uh, Connor McDavid old junior coach, like Edmonton going into the, oh, here's a, here's a coach that, you know, McDavid is fr- like friends with and cares a lot and has a lot of background with. So that's why everybody was like, okay, maybe McDavid was the guy that uh, kind of spearheaded this or said he was not happy or like, you know, wanted you know something different or a new energy and then this we hear you know stuff today where players not necessarily happy uh it kind of makes you think like what's what's edmonton doing and you kind of hit it off i mean you know what's is this on jay woodcroft necessarily or is this on ken holland for adding that roster and putting that team together uh because when you spend you know I remember watching like, you know, TSN, like free agent frenzy and stuff. And that first day and the big headline was, well, they got Connor Brown, uh, Connor McDavid's old line mate. This is the big, exciting thing. They had all this chemistry together. They're going to get fired. And I was like, that's, that's not it. Right. Like sure. Surely they're doing something else. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, Connor, Connor Brown is zero points and nine games before getting Oof. injured and, yeah, it's it's been a disaster. I know I'll say it from this standpoint, like, yeah, like Jay Woodcroft, probably responsible. Like there's also some just coaching decisions and line blunders and, you know, stuff like that where, you know, you just you just can't seem to get your entire team going at once. But at the same time. Yeah, I mean, is this the best version of the Edmonton Oilers that could have probably been put together over the past few years? Probably not. Well, when you have a goalie making five or whatever Jack Campbell is making, getting just torched now in the AHL, like he, yeah, he yeah. his first AHL start, he got absolutely smoked um, to the tune of, I think, I, I don't remember how many goals it was, but it was a lot. Did you see that one goal uh, that he gave up where it was like almost like a pass backwards? Like it was a misplay uh, by the other team and it just sort of geared it like right underneath like glove pad everything and it, it was it was it's all bad it, ken holland may as well at that uh that press conference he may as well actually have said it can't be my fault because i'm the one who put this roster together and i know what i'm doing but like it this just i think shows you just how much pressure there is on the oilers to not waste uh the Prime careers of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, which to this point they have um, with one Western Conference final trip in which that entire series is going to be forever known as the series in which Mike Smith gave up a goal from center ice. And <laughs> I mean, if that's your highlight for the series, that's not great. And so they just have, I think, finally started to kind of cave under that pressure of not being able to get to that spot. And I mean, whether or not McDavid is truly like legitimately upset about what's going on. Thin ice in Edmonton to say the least. Yeah. It's interesting to see what happens next because you hear all this stuff about Chris Knobloch who's taken over and, you know, they call him almost like a teacher. Like, I mean, that's his background is junior hockey. Like he's used to kind of teaching, the fundamentals and working with players. And it's interesting because it doesn't seem like that, like that's a coaching hire you make from like a rebuilding team or like a team with, uh, 
you know, sort of a young up and coming core, you know, maybe mixed with some veterans that are going to kind of help, you know, rebuild the culture and teach them how to play in the NHL. But the Oilers are a veteran team trying to win right now. Yeah. Like, like their, their window is right now. And I'm kind of curious, you know, that they didn't go sort of like, you know, sort of the older NHL coach, you know, I don't know who would be out there uh, at this point, you know, John Hines, maybe Gerard Uh, Gallant, Gerard Gallant. That's another good one. A lot better than John Hines, (laughs) Uh, but, but it's, it's Mike Babcock. Well, I don't don't think any team's touching him with a 10 foot pole at at this point. Uh, Yeah. Back to coaching in Canadian college or wherever he was. Um, but, but yeah, it's funny that they didn't go for just like that veteran coach that, you know, knows X's and O's and and strategy and can kind of finagle a sort of okay, or a team with holes into like playing very well in a certain system. It it seems like that would have been sort of the, I guess, direction the Oilers would go. So it's interesting that they're kind of going more for like a foundational hire. And more of a, okay, here's a guy that is going to start building from the ground up. Maybe teach some of these younger players fundamentals. Here's here's how I think this should play out. is essentially a less drawn out version of what we saw with the Vancouver Canucks. Is where if you as the general manager are seeing this play out on a nightly basis, do not at some point go to candidate X if they are a veteran coach who's not doing anything right now. And yeah. say, hey, if this continues to spiral, would you be interested in taking the reins to try to right the ship? You plant the seed because then they can do some of their own homework as to looking at what's wrong and what they would fix. So that then when the move is made, you can say, hey, we need you on a flight tonight to get here tomorrow. But like you, yeah. you hit it right on the head. Is this feels like a coaching hire that a team like the Sharks or the Ducks would have made this year? Yeah, and it's also interesting the timing of it. Uh, that the fact that you know they fire their head coach what yesterday, and then one day later, the or less than a day later, their new not interim uh, permanent head coach is named, and you know kind of feels like it's one of those things that maybe has been in the works for a while. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you, me- you mentioned that Sharks game. Maybe that was indeed sort of the the precipice for that put all this in motion. And, and you know, no, no win was going to reverse that decision for the Oilers brain trust. Yeah, he probably got a call that said, hey, pack your stuff. Uh, we're uh, we want to get you here as soon as you can. Um, and then we're going to make this move. But yeah, um, I would imagine Jay Woodcroft will get some consideration in the offseason, depending on who else might be looking for a new head coach. What a segue that is. We're going to talk about some other names who may be on the hot seat as we continue the season here uh, in the Western Conference. And so we'll run through some names who could be or could not be as we continue today's episode of Lockdown NHL after this. All right, Locked On NHL listeners, we spend a lot of time talking together. We get fired up on wins and losses, who starts and who sits, who gets fired and who keeps their job. I'm thankful for the connection that we have, and today I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? 
bring on extended travel, bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You're covered, my friends. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Revito prescriptions. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace Medical. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just to have them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered the antibiotic kit. I feel secure. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase at jacemedical.com. Welcome back to today's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Once again, we are your team every day. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan. All right, let's talk about some names, Nick, who could potentially be on the hot seat. And anybody watching on YouTube, I've been dropping subtle clues yeah. as to who could potentially be on that list because... My hometown squad, the Minnesota Wild, are in a uh, bit of a rough start to the season, to say the least. The worst penalty kill in the NHL pegged, if it continues, to be the worst penalty kill in the history of the NHL. The Predators, thank you for that. Yep. Uh, like, is this the point where I just kind of put myself on mute and let you cook for the, for the rest of the podcast? Cause you know, I, I will say this, uh, you know, when we brought this up, Evison was one that came to mind. Uh, cause I know the wild, not great in the standings, but you and I were talking about this. It seemed like even after last year's postseason, as good as the wild have been for the past couple of years, we know they haven't been able to get over that sort of playoff hump. And it seemed like there was some discontent at the time uh, with a lot of wild fans towards Edison. So is this, you know, is was there a short leash headed into the season, Seth, that I think a lot of fans now want to be, you know, removed altogether and sent sent Edison off to greener pastures? It's funny because if you read between the lines as to what Bill Guerin has said, at the end of last season, as this season has unfolded, I think Dean Evison's seat is maybe now just starting to get warm because at the end of last season, Garen was pretty adamant that he hasn't given Dean Evison a quote unquote full deck. And so it's impossible to hold a guy accountable for what's going on with the team that is not fully functioning. But here's the problem is now with how bad the goaltending has been this season, my head is kind of starting to wonder if all of these problems still existed, which I think we saw in the postseason that they do. If all these problems still exist, does that mean last year that we simply were like above average to elite goaltending away from this just happening last year too? Kind of seems like it. Yeah, I mean, it's trust me. They're look at the team that's kind of behind me right now. Uh, I know what good goaltending can do to not great teams. 
Um, and you and I talked about the wild expectations before this season, too, in a previous episode where it just kind of felt like they're just trying to not suck uh, until that Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi money gets off the books. And then Bill Guerin can be more aggressive at sort of reloading the team uh, the way he wants. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting to see what the wild do. I mean, Everson is obviously done something right if if he's taken the wild uh to you know a couple of really really strong seasons in a row now uh, i think he deserves some credit for you know kaprizov's development over the past couple of years the development of some other younger players but yeah i mean it's it's one of those situations where just we saw this with peter laviolette in nashville it just could be like one frustrating event uh that if it just sort of swells uh for an extended period of time all, all that goodwill goes away. It feels like maybe that happens in Minnesota. Yeah, and it, it feels like with the the Wild this season is there are four or five things that are issues. And if you're dealing with one of those at any given point during a season, you can you can mask it. You can overcome that. But the fact that you're dealing with all four or all five at once is just impossible to try to overcome. You are getting pretty bad goaltending. You're getting bad defense. You're getting the worst penalty kill in the NHL. The power play is incapable of scoring and the offense turns it over at a rate that is honestly staggering. And Oh, and your superstar players, Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy are just not here at this point in the season. And so you're dealing with all of that at once. If you could get it to where one or two of those things is a problem, you're probably okay, but they can just never get to that point. Yeah, I agree. And as far as a couple other head coaches, I was struggling to find anybody that's really like in hot water. Uh, like, you know, Calgary's not going to fire Ryan Huska after, you know, one month. I don't think the, you know, the, the Preds aren't going to fire Andrew Burnett after one month. Luke Richardson, I think it's honest with that situation is there. Um, you know, the, the only really real one that I can think of is, and again, it's not his fault, but how long does the David Quinn tenure in San Jose last? Like, again, clearly not his fault. Like, that team is garbage, and I think that was kind of intentionally uh, built that way by Mike Greer this past offseason. Uh, but it's it's funny because if it goes, I guess, even lower than it is now, I mean, they did win two games finally. So, yay. Um, but but if it gets somehow worse, like maybe then the Sharks pull the trigger. But that doesn't seem like a, oh, this is this is a head coach that should have been doing gangbusters and his team is trash. Feels more just like uh, we we know you're not the problem, but we we need something to make this suck a little bit less. It feels like for me that the Sharks aren't going to do anything until they identify clearly like what their core is moving forward. Because at this point, you just have a conglomeration of players, and yeah. you've got some young prospects that you're hoping pan out, but you're only going to know if they continue to play. And so once they start to, to identify those guys that they clearly want to build around, if you get to a situation where like the Anaheim Ducks have been the last couple of seasons where you have a ton of young talent, you're just not making any progress. 
then I think that's where you start to see a change and you maybe bring in a veteran voice that can get through to those young players. But um, yeah, beyond that, the only other name that I think has probably been taken off the list because of how they have played recently was Craig Berube um, with the, the St. Louis Blues. But again, I feel like more of the Blues issues lie in the roster construction as opposed to how the coach is is handling those players. Yeah, and I think he has probably uh, saved himself with a, uh, you know, the, the Blues have turned it around. So I, I would yeah. say that combined with maybe some of that leftover goodwill uh, from, you know, the, the Stanley Cup run, I think Barube is okay for now. Uh, if we go like another month or two and the blues start falling again, maybe they pull the trigger there, but, but yeah. yeah. And even in that situation, I don't know if you're going to outright fire a guy with that pedigree. Like you maybe yeah. come to an understanding where he's going to walk away, but it's going to be very carefully phrased if it even happens. I mean, if the blues get right back on track, we're not having this conversation and, um, in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you want the odds as to who's going to end up being the next coach from the Western conference, that'd probably be, that'd probably be the one with the best odds, even though I just from reading between the lines, don't think that it's much of a realistic thing to happen anyway. So yeah. I don't know. I, I guess the takeaway from this is that the Western conference coaches are uh, are all in pretty good uh, pretty good standing, or at least an understanding of kind of what they're dealing with, as you mentioned with Luke Richardson. But what he's dealing with is Connor Bedard taking his game up to another level. And so uh, we'll finish today's episode of Locked On NHL by talking about the uh, rookie phenom and his goals pace as we continue today's episode of Locked On NHL after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And that's because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, like how many passing yards is Pat Mahomes going to have in a game, over-unders on point totals, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Final segment of today's episode of the Lockdown NHL podcast. Once again, we are your team every day. Uh, Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan and uh, Connor Bedard continuing to light the lamp early and often here as uh, he now leads his team. And it's not by a little bit. He's got nine goals in his uh, first 13 games. Next closest on the uh, Blackhawks team is Tyler Johnson with four. And you look at what he's done over the uh, the last few games. He, he actually has scored two goals in two straight games. He's got five in the month of November. Ladies and gentlemen, I think Connor Bedard has figured out how to put the puck in the net on the rest of the NHL. He's here, folks. 
keys here. Uh, and it wasn't like the smoothest start for him. Like it took him a while, he, you know, he had some highlight reel plays, but it kind of took him a, a while to figure out, you know, sort of that 20 minute a night effort that you're going to want from, you know, like the Sidney Crosby's and Connor McDavid's of the world, that game changing kind of player. Uh, but once he's figured it out, yeah, he, he has certainly figured it out. You mentioned him nine goals this year. Uh, six of, or seven of those have come in the past six games. So he's on a heater right now. Uh, he's got a, a lot of points to his name. Uh, can't figure out exactly. Oh, he's got 13, 13 points. Uh, my mouse was in the wrong place, but yeah, 13 points. Uh, that's now first in, in rookie scoring. And, and yeah, it's when you watch him play, Seth, I think that's just sort of the, amazing thing because he kind of looks like if you go back and you think of like every high level prospect that's been drafted, I I guess since Connor McDavid and he's just like sort of a mix of all of them. Like he's got like, you know, Austin Matthews nose for the net. Like he's got the scoring prowess. Uh, He's got the, like the setup skills uh, of a McDavid, you know, or, and it's just, it's just like, this guy is, you take some of the elite players in the NHL and you take the individual things that really make them elite stand up above the other players. And that's the direction Connor Mc, or, um, Connor Bedard is headed. And it, it's crazy because this guy is, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old. Uh, he's still got a lot of room to grow. Like let's give him some space. Like let's let him develop and see what he's going to come out to be. But he, he's showing flashes of that potential early this season, and that's exciting for Blackhawks fans. Uh, and uh, it, unless you're playing in the Central Division, it's got to be exciting for NHL fans too because it's been a minute since we've had this sort of, you know, once-in-a-lifetime generational player come through the league. On the goal he had the other night where he is um... – in the offensive zone, and you've got two players for the opposing team. Uh, I'm trying to remember which team it was per se. It was probably, if I remember correctly, it was Florida, where he stole the puck in the offensive zone, and he's parallel to the net, and he's able to just flick the shot up over the goalie's shoulder and just tuck it into this absolutely impossible corner to get the puck into from the angle that he's at and like doing that kind of thing at the age that he's at, which he's still just insanely young. What is he going to be able to do as he continues to develop? I mean, he's 18. What is he going to be able to do when he hits his peak of 25? Well, as somebody whose team is going to watch that, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared to ask what the answer to that question is, Seth. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, like we, we need to kind of be hands off on this a little bit and let him grow. There's a lot that can happen between now and five years from now, but you know, if you're a Blackhawks fan and you're watching Bedard play this year, you gotta be encouraged. Like you're seeing the potential early and you're seeing his game changing impact early remember you and i were like let's let's not put him on top of the calder list yet like let's let this guy figure out play uh now you know you're looking at him and and saying it's like okay like if he's at this pace like that's that's maybe a little bit 
better than we thought he was going to be uh, when he came into the league this year. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying, but he is currently on pace to score 57 goals this season. And so does he keep that up? I mean, probably not. But then again, who can say? We just really haven't seen this type of player before. We've, as you alluded to, we've seen pieces. We've seen flashes in different elite types of players, but it really does feel like he has the combined skill sets of, um, of different guys all into one frame. And as he continues to fill that frame, he's just going to continue to add to that skill set. And he's going to go from being, Hey, this is a, a fun story to watch to it's literally the Terminator out there on the ice. Again, it is somebody that's going to watch him for a lot over the next little bit. Uh, yeah. A little, a little scared. I, um, I am excited to see him at the XL Energy Center uh, for the first time in December. Uh, And, you know, as I typically do when I cover games is I try to watch different things that are going on throughout the course of the night. Probably going to have my eyes fixed on Bedard anytime he's on the ice just to see just to see what he does, because the TV catches so much. But there's so many other things that are going on off camera that you just don't get a chance to see. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be fun, like, watching him in warm-ups. Uh, he's coming to Bridgestone Arena this coming weekend, uh, so the Preds, are, Preds fans are going to get their first chance uh, to see him. And it's one of those things where you just, you're going to watch this warm-up routine, uh, maybe get an up-close look at, you know, some of his edge work on skating and, you know, his stick handling during some of those warm-up drills. Uh, and just, you know, I would advise whatever fan of team you are, if you get to see him in person, is – just watch his skating. That's like, you know, even, even if he doesn't have the puck, like watch him, you know, maneuver through the ice. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that I think stands out about Bedard's game. Uh, so if you have a chance, take a second and just sort of ISO your, your, your vision on him and just appreciate, you know, some of, some of the skills he displays because, because it's special. A rare it's a rare talent um, that he has. So we'll uh, we'll see. I, I look forward to hearing how things look uh, in person. So maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll briefly touch on this next week um, because you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to give that firsthand experience. We'll see, though. We'll see what happens. But that will wrap it up for today's episode of the Locked on NHL podcast. Again, make sure if you haven't already that you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any of our new episodes throughout the week from our wide array of different Lockdown NHL hosts. You can find uh, new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.